0: Happy Thursday.
1: Happy Thursday. Um long time no talk.
0: Long time no talk. I know. Wait, I feel like we should introduce the name of the pod before we get too deep in since we forgot last time.
1: (laughs) Yes, all right. This is Voracious. Welcome back for our like third episode, second episode digging into Malibu Rising itself. My name is Marley Foster, coming at you from Houston, Texas. My name's Taylor Ginter, and I'm
0: joining from Cedar Rapids. And this is... Sorry. (laughs) We'll figure out this intro thing. I was was going to
1: make a dumb joke. It's better that you cut me off.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, if you're trying to listen... Like If you don't want spoilers or slash you're trying to listen in order that the book goes, go back and listen to 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. Because today we're going to be talking about 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. in the book.
1: Yes. Yeah, so just in case it's not clear, this podcast will be progressive. So we'll do little recaps here and there of the story as we go but we are going to be moving through the sections in the order in which we read them. So might make more sense to listen in that way, unless you just really are into chaos, which is a strategy, but I don't know (laughs) if it's the best one in this situation. Or you're just tuning in to listen to our lovely voices. Yeah. I wish, I hope that one day someone will tell us like whether or not our voices are distinctive. I think they are. I think we sound pretty different from one another. Um, But, you know, we know us, so that's a lot easier than, like, listening for the first time. We know us,
0: and we've been friends for so long that we've probably picked up on a lot of each other's, like, (laughs) the way we speak. Yeah. I would not be surprised if that's a thing.
1: Yeah. Do you think I have an accent?
0: (laughs) Um, Only on certain words. I can notice, like, a little bit of a southern accent.
1: Yeah. And I think... I I think that's true. I also think it comes out a lot more um, if I've been talking to my family or like listening to country music. But like, if I'm just talking to you, and I bit like we talked on the phone for a little while before jumping into the recording. um, (laughs) So I think I'm in my like sort of streamlined voice right now, not my not my Texas voice, my Texas twang. (laughs) But you do do a great accent on command. Thank you. I appreciate that. Anyway, so if anybody has thoughts about our voices, and like if we sound similar or not, would love to know for research. Mm-hmm. Well, should we dig in? Yes, we should. Okay, so as Taylor mentioned, last week we covered 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. and now we're doing 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. the next the next chunk. And we started off... 8 a.m. 8 a.m. This section jumped a lot. It was a short section, but I feel like we got a lot of info, lots of background. Last time we were sort of just getting introduced to the siblings, but here in 8 a.m. we start off with Nina, and then we jump quickly into a flashback to the Reva siblings' parents. Um, Some of so their very parents different. probably. I mean, we don't
0: <laughs> we don't know whose parents they're because HUD is a half. HUD and um, Jay are half siblings.
1: So true. That's true. So I guess I was assuming that June. That's the woman we the woman we're introduced to in this flashback to fi, ni, ugh, 1956. We flash back to 1956, where we meet June Costas who is at some point marries Mick Riva and we and has at least one child with him. We're not sure which of the siblings are her, are her children or how many of them. Right, cuz Mick is the name, sorry.
0: Mick is the father of all the kids, right? But we don't know about the mother.
1: As far as we know. Okay. Yes, because it says, I really love the way um, it's described at the first part of the the flashback section on page 31 for me. This, yeah, can, so, I, can I read it for a second? Yeah, but, please do. Okay. The story of June and Mick Riva seemed like a tragedy to their oldest child, Nina. It felt like a comedy of errors to their first son, Jay. It was an origin story for their second son, Hud and a mystery to the baby of the family kit to Mick himself it was just a chapter of his memoir but to June it was always and forever a romance so here like they're all described they're definitely all described as a single family like we don't get mention yeah. of another woman or any other family members so there's definitely still a lot to unpack about this dynamic but i loved this because taylor i don't know how you feel about this as an only child which we dug into a little bit last week but like siblings do not experience parents and families the same way
0: Mm -hmm.
1: at all (laughs) like obviously at least from my own experience my brother and i share experiences of our family and share some memories but uh in some ways our experiences even growing up in the same house and being pretty close in age, dramatically different from each other. And so I love that we got a little bit of a hint of that here as TJR sort of briefly described how each of the siblings felt about June and Mick's relationship.
0: Yeah, I didn't really, this paragraph didn't stand out as much to me, um, but I do remember you've talked to me about that before, just like how siblings do experience the family differently and have the different
1: perspectives. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, and here too, even, and I guess she even does talk about how like Mick and June experienced the family differently. Right. So like even the parent parent to child or parent to parent partner to partner experience is different. Like Mick, it was just a chapter, but to June it was a romance. Hmm. Like that's so different. That's so dramatically different. And, like gives us so much insight into what Mick and June's dynamic may be or may become. Because what we get in this section is when they first met. Like that's the story that is about to unfold in the few pages that we read. Um, sort of how they met and their their first date, right? Mm-hmm. And sort of June falling like instantly in love with him and Mick. it's more like, like pragmatic for him that's how it seems it like it very much seems to me like he's sort of the quintessential playboy like oh i'm a musician and i'm a singer and i'm gonna sweep you off your feet and i think there was some sort of line about like he wanted a woman he could make happy and he talks about like her being his arm candy and it's hard to tell if that's just like 1950s dudes be a 1950s dude (laughs) like that was the height of romance Um, or if it's a little bit more calculated And go ahead
0: because I thought it was more calculated because he's talking about like he's very focused on his career like he so at this point in the story he's 23 years old undiscovered but has kind of some connections that he's diving into because he's a singer with this really beautiful voice um but so he's very focused on his career but he also has this image of this wife and kids and home that he can come home to yeah like not that's not necessarily his first priority but it's like I don't know it's just his landing spot
1: yeah and it almost to me if we are gonna take it down the like calculated route it's like part of the image right like that's part of the it's an image to have to have a family to have this perfect unit that you're a part of and like at that time he would have been seen as like the leader of the family unit you know as the man who's like out making the money blah 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 seeking like fame and fortune um and then having wife and kids at home and so far like we know that June June 17 when we meet her here and She is described as ambitious, but her ambitions aren't really specific. It seems like she wants more than to work at her family's restaurant. Well, we don't really know what more she wants than that, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't get into the specifics of her dream. And so it seems like, you know, she meets this slightly older guy at least this is where I'm expecting to go, right? Like, she she meets the slightly older guy who's, like, so hot and so talented and, like, has dreams and has all the stuff. And she, you know, it would be so easy to be swept away by that, right? Because he can potentially get her out of the life that she knows. But we don't know if that's going to take her into a life that she really wants. Right, but that's, that's, like, a lot of projection. <laughs> that's a lot of projection, uh, personally, and into the, the future of the story. <laughs> we haven't gotten a ton of information yet, but I guess these are the kinds of questions that are coming up right away based on how their first moments have been described.
0: Yeah, because she's very much, like, trying to keep it cool, trying not to let him know how into him she is, but...
1: But she's pretty into him.
0: Yeah, she's pretty <laughs> into him. And just giving a little bit more backstory on her family situation so they own a seafood restaurant and um, she says it's like on the verge of bankruptcy every two years so it's Mm -hmm. it's not doing too great it's kind of iffy but yeah she's always helping out there Um, she barely get a moment away to herself and it's just kind of like like a a bit of a tough life Um, or just not very glamorous
1: I think that's what it is like at least that's how I read it I read it as, like, they're doing fine. They're, like, described as, what, middle class, you know. So not to say that her family doesn't have struggles, but they are not described as struggling or yeah. in poverty or, you know, like, it just yeah, sounds very point. painfully normal. And I can I can definitely relate to her wanting more than that and not being satisfied with that and not wanting to just go along with what's expected. Um, But I am afraid that like, she's going to get swept up in all of his, his dreams and his drama. And I don't know that she's ever going to get to like really be herself. And I guess I'm afraid of that mostly because of how young she is Mm. when they meet. She's
0: 17 and he's 23. Like, I guess back then maybe it wasn't as weird, but that's like pretty pretty big difference, pretty different states it of your life. It is, and also
1: like you don't know shit about shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, you think you do? I thought I did um, at both of those ages, and I mean, you know, you're learning more all the time, and not to discount, not absolutely not to discount like experience and emotions um, that we have when we're young because they are absolutely real. And valid. Um, but they but, don't always
0: lead you the, the best places. You make yeah, some mistakes.
1: Yeah. And it seems like this is sort of a classic like June hasn't had that much life experience. She's kind of lived in the same town forever, done the same things forever, like had a, a, a good life and a like comfortable life, but a sheltered life, which I can also relate to. And so now she meets this guy who's like, I think he's from the East coast and he's moved out here. Just like totally different, totally different life, totally different like set of experiences. Um, so I don't know. I'm also reading a lot into this because it's the 50s And like, mm. that comes with it a whole, um, I guess a lot of like a, a very specific set of like gender norms. Um which we see with, like, what you were pointing out, Taylor, about, like, Mick picturing his wife and his kids at home and June picturing this marriage where we're happy all the time and we never fight and we have two sinks so we can brush our teeth together in the bathroom, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it's this very American dream kind of thing that we all know by now does not work and, like, is, is a fallacy, right? Maybe I'm coming off a little hot about that, like, a little strong, but... Um... Or I don't
0: know, maybe not fallacy, definitely like unrealistic expectations, but it's kind of just like, yeah, just the picture that's painted for everybody to live up to, and like, that's what's cookie-cutter. And I think it's really interesting because so I found the section where he was asking her about, like, what she wants for the future. So this is at the bottom of page 37. And he says, like, he has her close her eyes. And he's like, um, and you imagine yourself happy in the future. What do you see? And her thought is maybe a little glamour, a little travel. Um, she wanted to be the sort of woman, woman who, when someone complimented her fur coat, could say, oh, this? I got in Monte Carlo. Um, so that's, like, her dream. Like, it is to be mm-hmm. the hot shit you know for lack of a better mm-hmm. word but then her actual response to him is quote a family two kids a boy and a girl a good husband who likes to dance with me in the living room and remembers our anniversary blah 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 yeah and then the two sinks in the bathroom um so what she's telling him yeah. and what she has in her head are not
1: congruent yeah no, that's so important. I'm so glad you pointed that out. Like that section makes me um, like that, that section makes me emotional because it also says like right in between those two descriptions that you read, you know, she thinks of the, the Monte Carlo and the travel and the glamour as wild and fit for a daydream. And then it says she had a real answer to one that was almost real enough to touch. And so it's like she seems like maybe she's torn between having this you know the fantasy and like dreaming big and really going for all of it like going for broke, but then at the same time has these dreams that are maybe more common or more I don't want to say realistic, but like a little more down to earth, a little more approachable. Um, But you're right. It is hard to tell, like, is that a more realistic dream for her because it is also something she really wants or because it is something he will want to?
0: Yeah. But then also with, like, the glamour and travel that she's wanting, like, we don't know if that's, we don't know if she wants herself to be famous and big or if she just wants, like, access to that. Like, right this dream or like the real answer that's real enough to touch is having the family, having him, but he could also be the access to like, like double solution to both of these. So oh, totally.
1: Yeah. So like, I think she's pretty, you know, has pretty like rose colored glasses about all of this at this point. Um, But like, let's not pretend that marriage isn't also a strategic move. For women, it always has been in some yeah. ways a lot more than men. I that's definitely not the way like June is portrayed as thinking about it. So I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole. But yeah, like it's it would not shock me at all if she didn't if she was more focused on what you're saying, um, having access to these spaces, which it might be easier for him to grant her than for her to get herself,
0: especially.
1: Yeah in the 50s and 60s.
0: Yeah, I came in hot saying that this was very calculated from his perspective, but it might also be very calculated from her perspective.
1: Because we do get a little bit... Okay, this is, like... I think it's mostly just, like, a cute, like, teenager thing, but, like, when they first met, there's the little scene about she's going to the beach and she puts on like her fancy new bikini that her mom doesn't want her to have because she wants to feel pretty and she wants to be noticed. And it works. Like she is pretty and Mm. noticed. Mm -hmm. And then that's how the date happens. Right. And Um, she
0: like, she knows she's hot shit too. Or like she knows that she's got something that other people will want. Like she says she like almost feels bad about how much she likes her own body.
1: Which, like, I kind of love. Like, I love that description, especially a young woman, especially, especially in this time period. Like, she knows what she brings to the table. And she doesn't, like, she's not guilty about it. She's not shy about it. Mm -hmm. But I don't, like, I don't think she's being manipulative. I don't think that at all. I don't want it to come across that way. But it is kind of cool to see, like, she's not a complete ingenue. She's not a complete, like, this character could have veered so easily into, like, ditzy airhead, like, whatever. Um, Mm. Which is also, like, that's an archetype we can unpack at another time. Because (laughs) there's a lot happening there. But, like, she's not the complete ingenue. She does seem like she has these moments of sharpness that I'm really interested to see unfold. Especially in relation to... The kids and the I guess kids slash siblings
0: mm-hmm. yeah because we've heard kind of about how the kids live in their father's shadow and about like the fame and everything that comes with that that they've inherited from him but we haven't heard much about how their mother affected them except like in this section It mentions both Mick and June's lips, which we had also heard, like, in the first chapter. Mm. Like, that's kind of, like, the trademark of this family is just this, like, I think just, like, very plump, just very, like, eye-catching, like, unique lips. So I thought that was No, I think
1: we're supposed to understand that they're all hot. Oh, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. We love
0: it. Should we? Do you have any more to say about that, or should we? Um... No,
1: I think that covers the flashback pretty, pretty thoroughly. Because we leave one one last thing. We leave the section at the end of their first date. They kiss for the first time, and June Costas was a goner. So, we presume this is how they get together. Um, I'm assuming and predicting that they're going to get together very quickly. Oh, of
0: course. Yeah.
1: Um, And that we'll hear more about that. And that here pretty quick, we'll start unfolding. um, Like the, when kids came into the picture um, and learning more about mix career, but also, go ahead. ahead. Do you
0: want to do do some math? Because, (laughs) because we know, okay. So we know that this is 19, Fifty six, yes. And then when is the rest of the book set? Nineteen eighty three. Yes. So that is four seven. It's almost twenty seven years later. Mm-hmm. And if the youngest kid is like twenty,
1: like mm-hmm. Kit was twenty. See, okay, yes. Keep going. I have I have <laughs> a hot take prediction for this. Keep okay, going. Okay, so
0: Kit's twenty. So. They're, they're their last kids seven years into being together, if mm-hmm. you know, assuming these are all their kids. But, mm-hmm. um, but we don't know how old the oldest ones are, I don't think. So we don't know like when they start having
1: kids. Mm-hmm. See, okay. Yes. I'm so glad you brought this up. Because <laughs> so we know, we know that HUD is somehow, HUD and Jay are somehow half brothers. And we know that HUD does not look like, The rest of the family but let's like i'm gonna like super put my english major cap on for a second that paragraph that i read on page 31 describing how each of the siblings viewed june and mick's relationship is also very particular in the language that it uses to talk about each child Mm -hmm. so it says their oldest child nina to me that implies june and mick are the parents of nina their oldest child. The next one, their first son, Jay. So they have two sons. Jay is the first. June and Mick are both Jay's parents. It was an origin story for their second son, Hud. So origin story is interesting because you could take that a few different ways. Like a second son, it could be that june and mick are both hud's parents or it could be that only one of them is his parent and he was basically adopted into the family (gasps) oh can i make a prediction can can i can i finish yes because i'm about to make a prediction okay and a mystery to the baby of the family kit there is no possession associated with kit at all yeah there's no there yeah exactly So, like, I just, I want to point that out. But what's your prediction? You sound very excited.
0: Well, I have no basis for this, but... No, go for it. We We love
1: it. We already know
0: that um, HUD steals Jay's girlfriend, like, in present time. So I'm wondering, like, I I read that origin story part differently. I read that as, like, othering HUD. And, like, Mm -hmm. what if it's origin story for, like... Mick and June meet and they fall in love and start having this family. But what if like HUD comes about because they met, but not from them? Like, what if Mm -hmm. like June sleeps with Mick's best friend or something? And like, that's HUD's dad.
1: Yes, totally. No, I think that's totally an option. But then he's like adopted into the family to cover it up. And so they act like he's their kid. Even though maybe technically he's not. Mm hmm. Or technically, he's like a half sibling, whatever. Yes, I think that's totally a possibility. So it might be Mick, but it also might be June, who steps out. Um, yeah, yeah, because we don't know. Yeah, but then I'm really interested about like I'm about Kit. I thought I was going to be most interested in Kit in the first chapter so far, proving to be correct. I <laughs> still am most interested in Kit, um, because there's no possession attached to her. In this scenario, and she's also, if I remember correctly, like she's described as looking like her older sister Nina, but also with some very stark differences. And it could be that her differences in appearance are because she's young and like carries mm-hmm. herself very differently. But this is making me think maybe it's because she's also some sort of half sibling or like has has a different set of parents mm-hmm. than the others. Nice. Maybe those are my those are my predictions. Yeah.
0: No, I can see that. I can
1: see that. Yeah. So it might be more than just HUD, and HUD's story is getting complicated. And we know because we know we know that Mick. Well, I was gonna say we know that Mick leaves June. I don't think we know that, but I do think we know that they don't stay together forever right like wasn't there something in this section like maybe it's actually back to the same paragraph to mick himself it was just a chapter in his memoir which to me says that this marriage is short term we don't know why
0: wait but we so- do know because he
1: oh when did he get with evelyn hugo okay yes. yeah i won't remember but this is what i was thinking we've had a couple subtle references in this chapter yes, cynthia Do- st
0: james was mentioned
1: yes so cynthia for Saint a james little a little bit of context for those who have not read the seven husbands of evelyn hugo there are some characters in this novel malibu rising who are also in her novel the seven husbands of evelyn hugo which is also excellent would recommend reading um, and Taylor and I have no idea like how closely these two stories are going to be intertwined, but Mick Riva is one of Evelyn Hugo's seven husbands, but here he is clearly not married to Evelyn. Married Wait, do you two. have a copy of that book? Yes. Let me go get it. Okay. You, you talk about things. I'm going to go get
0: it. <laughs> oh my God. Maybe we edit this part out. You can, but I would, I
1: really want you to try to theorize on your own and I'll be right back. Let me go get it. Let me go take it
0: out. Okay. Okay. Well, we know. So, well, okay. We don't know if he is married to um, Evelyn Hugo before or after June. But I guess it must be after because if he's young and just getting famous, like, I think he was a bit older in Seven Husbands. I think he was a bit older. So it would be after June. Man. Oh, my God. What if they meet at the party or something one of these years? Because they're talking about how all these famous people come to this party. And, like, all this crazy shit goes down. So maybe he meets... Evelyn at this party and like that's when he starts to leave
1: June because if like wait are you back I'm back I just wanted to see how far you would go were you listening to me only for a couple seconds Uh, Okay. (laughs) also don't spoil like let's just say this without spoiling it Celia St. James is very important to Evelyn's story we'll leave it at that but we have a very tiny mention of her On, I marked it, yeah. Doug Tucker, the new head of Sunset Studios, got plastered and told everyone that he had proof Celia St. James was gay. Let's just say that that line means a lot, um, especially in the context of this other novel. So, no spoilers there, but I grabbed my copy of Evelyn, (laughs) um, and I'm trying to find the section on Mick. So, what... What theories did you come up with? So
0: I came up with the theory that he meets Evelyn at this party because this is kind of bringing it into the first part
1: of this chapter. Wait, wait, wait. But the party, which party? Because the party is their children's party.
0: Is that, wait, when was the very
1: first party? We don't have a year, but I think Nina was talking about it as just like, oh, a few years ago it started. It's just like a kegger. You know, people came out, and now it's this huge thing.
0: The party had started out as a wild kegger years ago. A bunch of surfers and skateboarders from around town gathering at the Riva's house the last Saturday in August. Hmm. But in the time since, Nina's own fame had risen, and she'd married Brandon, garnering even more attention. So that's unclear. It could have been started before or after the kids, but I was thinking it was started... Well, maybe it got started after, like, the first two kids, like, after, like, Nina and Jay or something. But I was thinking that Mick meets Evelyn at this party because if someone's there who knows Celia St. James, he's, like, he's the head of Sunset Studios. He knows Celia. He knows Evelyn. Like, there's a very good chance ah. that Evelyn could have been at this party and that's where they meet and get together.
1: Okay, so I, I think – I hear you. I think, though, that line about the – a person who knows celia let me find the page um that was at the party in 1980 so i don't think that math adds up i think someone who worked at sunset and he had proof celia st james was gay but that doesn't like celia st james wasn't working at sunset studios in 1980 nor was evelyn i believe I might be getting some of that math wrong, but I think that's like too far in the future. Yeah, i just been like. So I think six your idea ago. about him, about Mick and Evelyn meeting at maybe one of the very first installments of this party makes sense to me. But I think, and maybe Celia was there too. But I think this guy in the specific line is happening.
0: Yeah, that guy's happening too late for it to too happen. Late, it was only like yeah. three years
1: ago, but I guess I'm
0: just thinking like, it's like with all these big names and these people who know people who know people, like showing up at this party. It's not unlikely that a name as big as Evelyn Hugo would
1: be there. True, true. Yes, and I'm still trying to find Mick Riva's section in. My copy of Evelyn. Okay, but I'm with you. So I think your theory makes sense. And that's honestly, that's one of the things that I love about the way TJR writes is she has these like, it's beautiful, but it also leaves so much mystery. Like you feel like she's giving you so much, but actually like it's all still a mystery
0: it's mm-hmm. all
1: okay, so I found his section. We're trying to find out when he and Evelyn get married, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm so jealous. You have a copy of the book. You have like more Taylor puzzles. She doesn't buy pieces. hard copies
1: of books unless she has to. I made her buy a hard copy of Malibu Rising. Or did you just borrow? I made her have her hand. No, I bought it. Yeah, did you buy it? Okay. we there, are were big 50, library
0: there were 50 people waiting to, like, 50 holds <laughs> on Malibu Rising by the time I finally got around to putting a hold on it.
1: Taylor's an e-reader, which is fine, but it's a different experience, especially in moments like this. Um, okay. They get married. Okay, 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 okay. Found it. So Riva and Hugo get married December of 1961. So kit is not legitimate. We're so onto to something with kit. Okay, so hang on. What Wait was 1961. They- so they
0: met so they, they meet in
1: 1956. 1956. 1961 is five years later. Kit is twenty in 1983, meaning she was born in 63. When, uh, Wait, how long were
0: how long were making Evelyn married? Because it wasn't very
1: long. I don't know. Let me find that. But I was trying to do the math on like, so that but that precludes June from being Kit's mother, unless. They get back together. You and Mick were still sleeping together, which is fine. Like, whatever. yeah, That's a choice. That's a choice. We could definitely that could definitely happen. Um, but okay, let me. <clears throat> I'm trying to see if I can figure out when. Um, okay, so by November of 1962, Evelyn has a different husband, so they're not even married for a full year. Mick mm-hmm. and Evelyn are married. Yeah, less than a year what breaks them up dude i'm skimming like
0: (laughs) i haven't read this book in like a year um i don't know okay maybe you can fill us in you can like review that
1: section because i remember it being a pretty short section okay you fill us in next week (laughs) i mean like i know the big picture answer but i don't want to say that without because that would be a huge spoiler what breaks them up yeah yeah um but okay (laughs) so by the time but by the time Evelyn and Mick get married they both have already had multiple failed marriages um okay Evelyn Hugo's heartbreak nope that's about a different husband
0: I love this because, like, when we first found out about Malibu Rising, we were like, like, I think you made the connection that it's the same guy from Evelyn Hugo. And you were like, oh, maybe they'll be related. And now we're,
1: like, deep in It <laughs> is! Oh, I love, I, I mean, it's like, it's like a conspiracy theory, man. Mm-hmm. I love We're gonna need, like, a corkboard and some red, some red string. string. This is the shit I live for. And this is why we like having hard copies. Uh, okay but so what's our math our math is telling us june and mick meet 1956 mick marries evelyn in 1961 therefore he and june are together a max of five years unless they pull an elizabeth taylor and get married again later which is totally possible um wow or even just have sex again later like then maybe they could yeah well because
0: going back to like to mick it was just a chapter of his memoir but to june it was always and forever like yeah just one chapter makes me think like they don't get back together but i don't want to knock that off the plate yet
1: well and we also don't know if they got divorced i'm assuming they get divorced but what like what if she dies oh i mean i don't think that's where we're headed that's just not the tone any in which any of this has been written. But, like, what if she dies? Because there was something in this chapter. I think the few pages we got about Nina when she was talking about the party. I got the impression that neither parent is alive anymore. And it's just the siblings who are alive now. So...
0: Wait, where'd you get that from?
1: I'm trying to find it. I don't remember. <laughs> um, oh, Okay. On page 29, Nina is talking about, like, she wants to cancel the party because she's not in the mood because her husband's a dick and she doesn't want to mess with all the people. But she says she couldn't cancel a party like that. Mm. The Rivas might not be like most families, being just the four of them, but they had their traditions. Oh, that's a good touch. That, to me, implies that it's... You know, four siblings. Siblings now. Now that does, that does not necessarily mean that people are dead. They could just be estranged. But, like, if Mick is, if their father is also super famous, why would he not be there? Why would he not be involved in yeah. some capacity, regardless of the quality of their relationship? So that leads me to believe that their parents have passed. And we don't know under, like, when or under what circumstances.
0: Yeah. Good catch. Thank you. I try. I'm just imagining your book. Like <laughs> I saw the stickies like, the, like <laughs> each
1: chapter, but I'm imagining
0: just like mad scribbles, just like all these notes in
1: between. That's really funny. Actually, I have not marked any pages. Um I've not written on any pages. I've got some like dog ears and things folded down and hella stickies. I got a bunch of stickies. <laughs> um, but thankfully like these sections are short enough. If I start underlining and writing in books like it, it, it'll, never will, it it'll never end. It'll never end. And I've really tried not to do that in books that I read for fun. I try to only do that mm. in things for like school and work, just as like a mental separation thing because it's a different kind of reading. And thankfully these sections have been like manageable enough that it's pretty easy to remember what happens.
0: Yeah, not gonna lie. they're a lot more dense than I thought because I was like, mm, it's we're probably gonna have to so switch to a couple chapters at a time, but
1: no, it's good. I think it's because they're so character driven. It's not just mm. like this happens, then this happens, and then this happens. It's like, no, we get Nina on the ocean by herself, surfing, like introspecting, and then we get a flashback to their parents. Like, it's, you know, it's not XYZ plot 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 like plot is Mm -hmm. happening unfolding inside the character development and now we're jumping through time as well with with the flashbacks being introduced Mm -hmm. yeah so i feel i feel pretty good about this uh breakdown that we've landed on
0: i would love to see i haven't watched like any interviews or anything of tjr i'd love to see her like writing process and how she makes her characters because yeah I think you're right she probably it is so character driven like she has to create these characters before she even writes the plots I would guess
1: yeah I don't know I don't know I always think that's interesting to think about like how much of the story was determined before the writing happened because like I I consider myself a writer, not a creative writer, not a writer, like TJR is a writer, but as a, like I am an artist and as a creative person, you know, for a long time I made work where everything has to be planned from A to Z before you start. But now like that process has changed where I feel like having we've gotten to a place where having like sort of two thirds of an idea is enough to get started. Mm. So you start with that in mind and then take moments to pause and reflect on how it's going and what your materials are doing for you and then respond to that to keep going Mm -hmm. and sometimes that's a pretty linear trajectory but a lot of times it's not and you end up places that you couldn't have predicted from the beginning um but like that I mean that's just my process but I would be interested to know like what TJR's process is like how sort of predetermined are things or you know is it sort of like a loose structure that she starts with Um, and how deeply does she know these characters before they're unfolding because I feel like actually doing some of the writing could help unfold Mm. people are Um, yeah
0: I'm probably a bit biased because I was just I just finished watching Shits Creek again for the second time (laughs) Netflix has this like special where they're interviewing the actors and so like Dan Levy who's like the son of Eugene Levy and he plays the son in the show like he's talking about how he went to his dad with this idea for the show and then they start like writing it together but like his dad is very much into like character-driven comedy and so like Eugene made them like sit down for like weeks just like developing these characters and Dan was like come on dad like this is enough and he's like no it's not enough but like he was saying like that led to like (laughs) part of the success of the show was just that they had like really strong ideas of who the characters were and they didn't like stray from that
1: yeah well and that something like that would make a lot of sense especially if tjr is like creating this sort of universe for herself where characters Mm. pop up again and again like i think that speaks to what you're saying like a really deep clear understanding of who these people are since she is allowing herself the flexibility to bring them into new stories and new situations in a very subtle way. But yeah, it would also be cool to just hear TJR's voice because like how you rarely hear an author's, you hear their voice, but not their voice. Right. Um, She seems cool. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: (laughs) Maybe we'll make it big and we can have her on the pod one day.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Is anybody else doing a TJR podcast? We'll have to look into that.
1: I don't know. Maybe we're the first.
0: She's got a lot of other... I'm just like reading her about her. She has four other novels besides the ones we've read. One True Loves, Maybe in Another Life, After I Do, and Forever Interrupted.
1: Yeah, I haven't read those. So we've read The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. And Daisy Jones and the Six, which I think we recommended in the last episode. I'm just going to keep recommending. Um, Let's make our way through her whole discography. Okay.
0: What do you call it for Um, books? Her oeuvre.
1: Yeah. But also I was thinking about how, like, music does come up in every single book. So I'd love to know, like, what T.J.R. listens to. (laughs) Mm, we'll yeah. have to make a playlist. She made many playlists for the Reva siblings, which we'll have to check out once we get further into the book That's right. Because I don't want to listen to them and have them like spoil anything, but I think once we're deeper in, we can delve into those. But it does seem like music is important to her.
0: hmm
1: Cause it always it shows up in some capacity. Um, in at least these three mm-hmm. that I dug into. Yeah, good point. Which I love. I think that's really cool mixed media i love it (laughs) Transmedia, transmedia narratives we can have a whole podcast about that (laughs) i don't i won't subject you all to that right now so can we
0: get into the background of well i guess we
1: went into the background of this party a little bit no go for it take it wherever you want babe it's all you
0: (laughs) no i kind of forgot we talked about that i think we (laughs) yeah so it's basically just this like Really well known party. Like it goes on every year, like what, like the second Saturday the last Saturday in August. We should have a party the last Saturday in August, Marley. That's coming up. Okay. Where you want to meet me? <laughs> no, we just <laughs> talked about this. We cannot sync our schedules yet, but we can do like I know
1: a beer. But I love it as an aspiration. Maybe <laughs> next August, once we're done working through this book as like That's a celebration, we we can throw. Oh my god. Oh my god, don't even play with me. <laughs> like, you know I will plan a trip. I know,
0: I know. Whether I
1: can afford it or not. We start <laughs> saving this far ahead. Let's see. I know, I know. And we could do the whole, like, scavenger hunt, like, map that TJR created mm-hmm. of the Rivas, like, Malibu, and then we can end it with a party on the beach
0: oh no marley last saturday in august 2022 that's my dad's birthday he He can
1: come (laughs) your dad would totally come do this with us he's also
0: very much a bookworm he would yes we could get him to read this yes we could
1: (laughs) your parents are a fun time they're absolutely invited
0: amazing a
1: family affair yeah exactly as (laughs) as was meant to be (gasps) that'll be his
0: Wait, when was he born? No, just kidding. I thought it was going to be his 90th. It'll be his... Oh, my God.
1: 38th, 84th. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Your, <laughs> cool. your parents have such an interesting life. They do. But that's for another, another episode. <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't need to divulge all your family secrets on the third episode of the pod. We got to keep some uh, for later. hmm For our Patreon <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> yeah oh my venmo is
0: <laughs> um okay backing up okay so this party happens the last saturday in august and like it's been going on for so long and people know about it that like the revas like don't even send invitations out like people just know to show up and so nina unfor- like unfortunately for her she's like damn i can't cancel this party like people are gonna go sh- like they're gonna show up anyway like i got a rally for this
1: yeah although my thought is like if the party's that popping and it's that big like she doesn't have to go i know she She could just like disappear make an appearance and then leave yeah Yeah. or just not even you know like i'm sure she could hire an assistant or if she doesn't have an assistant to be like oh yeah she's you know like in the back or she'll be out in a moment or she's still getting dressed or blah, blah, blah is like the first few mm. people show up. But then she just never appears. I don't know. I don't know if that's where we're headed, but like it is a strategy.
0: Hmm. Yeah. She's
1: not feeling it. Yeah. But she also might be someone who's like, I'm not feeling it, but I got to keep up appearances. So even though I know I'm not going to have a good time, I'll just put on a brave face and get it over with. Mm-hmm. I was mid water sip but actually oh, okay.
0: page 29 I'm looking at this now and I think it's a bit different than we're thinking because she says um, as Nina watched a swell come in just west of her she decided the party was not a curse but a blessing it was exactly what she needed she deserved a good time she deserved to let loose she could share a bottle of wine with Tareen who's her best friend her close friend she could flirt. She could dance. And so That's true. maybe she yeah. is like kind of looking to it as like a breath of fresh air.
1: Yeah. Or, or like a lemons into lemonade. situation. Yeah. Like going to make the best of it. Going to make an appearance. I was thinking breath of
0: fresh air, like since her husband just left her and she's talking like she could flirt. She could dance yeah. like
1: <laughs> get back out there. Yeah, cue uh freakum dress, right? And like see where the evening takes us. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see. I mean, it sounds like it's gonna be a pretty big pretty big affair. Full of lots of famous and famous adjacent mm-hmm. people. And it is interesting that here again, like in the a little bit more about Nina. In the first section, you know, Kit and Jay went to try to see if she wanted to go surfing with them, but she didn't answer the door. And so Kit and Jay go together and Kit and Jay have been presented to us as sort of like a pretty tight knit, like duo. And here Nina is, she is surfing. She is on the waves, the same waves that her siblings are surfing, but she doesn't know that they're there and she's alone. No, she's on different waves. Well, I mean, I guess they're like
0: out the same i just feel like
1: they're both out they're all out surfing at the same time. well no
0: no no. i think this is interesting because like uh kit and jay go to this really popular beach like where they have to like wait in line whatever queue up whatever it's called for surfing to like get on the waves and they run into that guy who's sitting on kit like that's like kind of the spot to be but nina goes to a really quiet spot that's like technically public but like the only people who knew how to get there were those who had access to private stairs or those willing to hike the jagged coastline and risk high tide. So like, she's very much like laying low and it's like, yeah, I don't know, almost more maybe of like a meditative place for her or just,
1: Mm -hmm. yeah,
0: just a different experience than Kit and Jay are having for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think, I just think it's worth noting that like they're all having those experiences simultaneously, but they are very different hmm. And potentially very telling. hmm. Yeah. Well, you got anything else about this section 8am to 9am? <laughs> These people do a lot early in the morning. I know <laughs> like you're a morning person. So maybe you're on board with this. I am not a morning person. Um, so this is a lot all before 9am. Knowing that they're going to have a party that night. I hope they're going to nap
0: in throughout the day.
1: Yeah, let's hope. I'm tired on their behalf. (laughs) What's our next section? So our next section will be 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. So that is page 43 through 57. All right. And I just skimmed a line on page fifty-six, and I think we're gonna get more information about June and mixed timeline. Wait, did you read the one that's in when Nina was born? Yes, I saw that too. <laughs> which I don't think is a huge spoiler because like we've already done the math, but like <laughs> we're gonna get a little bit- I'm so excited about like all these theories that we've had. I feel like there's so much potential. Mm-hmm. I know. I feel like I almost need to like
0: write all this down and like actually do some form of that.
1: But wait, like, hey, we've got board. it recorded.
0: We can just listen to ourselves. That's so much work, though. Like, I want it, like, in front of me. Get, like, a whiteboard <laughs> When up. I
1: drive to Austin this weekend, <laughs> me in the car by myself <laughs> for three hours listening to myself, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. That's, like, I'm a little narcissistic, but not that narcissistic. Um, but if we need to later, we can come back and check ourselves is all I'm trying to say. If yeah. we decide we need to get the string out. Yes. Hire an intern, have them do it. Oh, I love (laughs) that you aspire for us to have that budget. Because we believe in paid labor. (laughs) True, true. (laughs) Cool. Okay, so yes, our section 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Pages 43 through 57 will be for next week. Um, Oh, one note. So if you care about our scheduling... Typically, we record and release on Thursdays. Next week, we've got some other obligations that are preventing us from doing that. So we will release two episodes the following week, hopefully one on Monday, the 26th, and then we'll be back to our usual Thursdays for the 29th. So if you miss us, you'll only have to miss us for a few days. Distance makes the heart grow fonder. (laughs) Yes, which I think we can. Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, I
0: was just going to say, also, do I hear Velma in the background?
1: That's actually me.
0: Oh. <laughs> I'm, wearing,
1: I'm wearing a necklace. This noise? Yeah. Yeah, I'm wearing a necklace today. And even sometimes hearing myself, I think it's her collar. And it's not. <laughs> I took her collar. This is so dumb. But I think it's really funny. Um, I made she and I matching summer camp beaded. Friendship bracelet.
0: <gasps> I saw the the like. Just to clarify, was. Velma is
1: my cat. Velma is a cat, <laughs> not a human. Velma is a cat um, who lives with me, and I made us beaded friendship bracelets like you would make at summer camp, and I put it on her instead of her collar, and she hasn't protested, so I've left it on. But it's quiet, so she's like sneaky to begin with, and now that she's not wearing her collar with the little bell. Oh my God, I've like stepped on her so many times. Aww. Cause she's, she always got to be involved. She was kind of clingy like pre pandemic, but it is at a whole nother level now.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> Which
1: you, is cute, but like
0: Paloma, like, Sometimes I can't I don't know where she is like she's not in one of her usual spots but like it'll just get kind of quiet and I can hear her breathing because she like <laughs> wheezes she's got like a kitty like, oh, asthma she does have kitty asthma and so she doesn't have a bell on her collar but I can still tell where yeah. she is
1: that's really funny sometimes velma snores which is Aww. cute it's very cute she's here but she's asleep she's curled up on my bed i got a new comforter and she and indy my roommate's cat love it it's like the new nap spot uh which i take as a compliment so she's here but the noise is me sorry
0: should we start an instagram
1: for this podcast
0: and so we could take photos of our cats next to our book
1: that's hilarious i love it
0: Okay, get some pictures of Velma, and we'll see. We'll see if this happens. Get
1: some pictures. Like, I don't have a whole album.
0: No, but like with like intentionally for this project. Like, like see if you okay. can put the copy of the book next to it, so it's at least like vaguely related. That's really
1: funny. I'm gonna take one right now. Okay. While wow, we're, <laughs> I'll it to you. Oh, she awake. You awaken. Great. Are you taking one of Paloma? No, I don't know where she is.
0: Oh, she's like up in her kitty tree.
1: I'll I'll take one. Okay, so I'm, like carrying the team. I see how it is.
0: You can like just see her little ears above. The okay, button. I'm gonna touch okay. it too. Okay, perfect. I'll get on this. Oh, she poked her little head up. Yay! Hi. All right. Well. Yeah, well, you'll hear from us in about a week and a half.
1: Yeah, so until then, um, this has been Voracious. Thank you for joining us. Have a good one. (laughs)